what is the moral argument for the existence of God? Is God a moral being? Today on the show, I interview Dr. J. Brian Huffling, professor of philosophy and theology at Southern Evangelical Seminary, and we had a lively discussion about the moral argument, and uh, I agree with Dr. Huffling that the moral ar- argument does succeed, but it is important to add some uh, some nuances in there that are worth noting, and we have a, a great discussion about that today. If you want to watch the bonus segment, be sure to stick around and follow the Patreon link in the description over to our Patreon page where you can get access to the five more minutes with uh, Dr. Uh, J. Brian Huffling as well as all of our bonus segments with all of our interviewees and you can also get access to uh, our new segment uh, Thursday Lives where I do a live um, podcast and you can uh, watch that through the Facebook live I mean the YouTube live link that I'll leave on the Patreon page for patrons only and uh, you can uh, type in any of questions that you might have and things like that, and we can have a live interaction that way. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, leave us a review, guys. I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Help Me Believe, the show about Christian apologetics and theology. My name is Hayden Clark, your host, and I am excited to introduce my special guest to you this week. Uh, He is a professor of philosophy at Southern Evangelical Seminary. His name is Dr. J. Brian Huffling. Dr. Huffling, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I'm sure you got a busy schedule as a professor and everything, so I, I greatly appreciate it. This is a topic that I have been looking forward to discussing. I've been trying to get somebody, uh, or somewhat of somebody who's kind of has an expertise in this area, to come on and discuss uh, the moral argument and kind of approaching it from a Thomistic, uh, philosophical. Uh, route in that way. Uh, but before we get to the topic of today's discussion, if you don't mind introducing yourself uh, to those who may or may not uh, be familiar with you, kind of who you are and what you do. Okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm Brian Huffling. I um, have been a student and the, now I'm professor at SES for a while. I started in 04 okay. because I had my own personal questions as to how I knew Christianity was true. I wanted to figure out for myself, what, how do I know that, that God exists? How do the Bible is reliable? I didn't doubt it. I just wanted to know how, you know, how I could be certain and how I could better communicate and that kind of thing. Um, I live currently in Statesboro, Georgia. I've got two kids, um, married for about 15 years, a couple of cats, <laughs> uh, teach, teach philosophy and, and other things, mainly philosophy at the, at the school. I'm the, the director of the PhD program. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as hobbies go, I like playing guitar and have not done this in a while, but played golf and right. backyard astronomy. So yeah, that's a little about me. Yeah, I play guitar and golf myself. But, oh, sweet. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, I don't have a telescope, and I was never really into that, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, uh, again, thanks uh, for coming on. You recently had a debate with uh, Michael Shermer, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. How did the debate go? I thought it went uh, well in some ways, and it was frustrating in other ways. Um, the school really just wanted to get, you know, get our views out there. Have, have kind of, we had a, about a about a day conference on the problem of evil, and the, the culmination was our debate. And so it was basically was on is is evil good evidence against the Christian God. Mm-hmm. And uh, if your listeners don't know, Michael Shermer is uh, his background is in psychology and uh, more of the of the natural sciences. He's written several books. He's very well published. Um, super nice guy. I had, had a good time having him at school. 
and interacting with him. We have a have a little bit of a back and forth in his, in his magazine called Skeptic Magazine coming out in a couple of months. That's a pretty successful magazine. Um, so the good parts of the, of the debate where we were able to get out there and 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 just have the debate, get our views out there. Um, it was frustrating because he. So the issues of God and evil really are philosophical in nature. Uh, but I really couldn't get him to come into the philosophical arena. He wanted to stay in the natural sciences, and natural science studies nature. God is not part of nature, so he. So that can't. Natural sciences right. really can't study God per se. Um, it's not a knock against science. It's just not what science does. Like philosophy can't do what what natural biology and physics uh, do. But uh, and he knew, even admitted that if God does exist, science wouldn't tell us. He, he wanted to keep coming back to science and that well, this is really a philosophical issue. So it was good, and it was somewhat frustrating. But we are getting this, you know, in print dialogue going as well in a couple months, which would be which would be cool too. So overall, I think it was successful. Yeah, I, I watched the debate and I. And I pretty much agree with your assessment it, yeah. as far as the the substance goes it, i could see how it would be uh, uh, somewhat frustrating as uh, yeah. like you said but uh I, I i've never met michael Shermer, but he does seem like a nice guy and i appreciate his stance on uh, free speech and different things like that he's yeah. outspoken about uh those matters as well but uh today we're going to be talking about the moral argument for the existence of god and uh kind of your take on that you wrote an article recently about that or I, somewhat recently about that and that's where i i came across that article and said yes finally this i can get uh, this guy to come on and talk about this issue it sounds like he's what i'm looking for so uh but before we do that or before we get into your view on the argument i thought it might be beneficial to go ahead and uh lay the argument out as well as uh define some terms as they're traditionally or usually understood. So how is the moral argument uh, usually stated? Well, there's a couple different ways. One that we get normally from, say, uh, Bill Craig would be something like, if God uh, does not exist, then objective morals and duties don't exist. Objective morals and duties do exist, therefore God exists. Mm -hmm. That'd be kind of the, the conditional form. And then more from like Norm Geiser, we get arguments like all laws, and in C.S. Lewis, all laws have a, a lawgiver. There is a moral law, therefore there is a moral lawgiver. Mm -hmm. right? And, and, and as put, you know, those, those have you know, a lot of weight to them, a lot of strength, depending on how they're used. Yeah, that, that seems about right. So what uh, exactly uh, do you see, or do you see a problem with the argument as it's stated? Well... It, it depends on what is meant by some of these terms. So oftentimes the moral argument uh, wants to tether our morality to, to quote-unquote, God's morality. Mm -hmm. And that, I see, is problematic. But just as, as arguments are stated, I don't see a huge problem with them mm -hmm. because I do agree there is an object of moral law that's written on our hearts as human beings and that there has to be an objective uh, source for our existence as human beings. But... The way I use that argument, if I ever use it, um, is more of a metaphysical argument, not so much an existential moral argument, which it can, can be used that way. But I think the, the stronger claim there with the argument is, yeah, there has to be a God to produce uh, the, the, the human race to have an object of essence, and the essence itself shares this object of uh, human uh, moral code, mm -hmm. right? And then Bill Craig would have a different view because he's a, more of a divine, divine command theorist. He wouldn't. He would even affirm a divine human essence per se. He would say whatever God says, you do it. And that's where the the objectivity comes from. 
So it just depends on really how one's coming from, you know, what, what point of view we're coming from. I think they can be used effectively. I just think that oftentimes they kind of resort to a very anthropomorphizing of, of God being moral, which I would reject him being moral like us. Okay. So, I mean, we see in the scriptures God is good, God is love, God is these different things. So how is right. it that, uh, that you can say that God is, uh, or that you have a problem with saying that God is moral or he is a moral being? Okay, so um, we would definitely think that, that Scripture is, is absolutely right and correct, holy inerrancy, all that. So God is good, he is just, he's merciful, he's all those things. Uh, two points. One would be that uh, those things would be couched probably more in metaphysical categories and terms, not moral. Mm -hmm. So when we think of a human being loving somebody, like I love my wife or my kids or whoever— um, a lot of that has to do with a very emotional kind of feeling to it, and there's nothing wrong with that. And also a, a, a notion of, of willing their good. Mm -hmm. And so we would think that the traditional view of God loving means that God is willing our good. And so having created us, he didn't have to create us, but, he, but supposing he did, then he also wills certain things to be there for us to be good for us. And so we would call that God's justice. So God making us what we are uh, would also create the things— that we have to have in order for us to be able to flourish. So that would be love and justice. Mm -hmm. So we wouldn't say they're moral because uh, those, and what I mean by God's not moral is that, is that he just, unlike us, he has no obligations or any kind of standards that are, that are superseding, that are superseding him or imposing on him. Um, and also the second point is we have to understand language when we apply it to God and, and things in the world have to be seen as analogical. In other words, when I use the word good for you and me, or my cat, or my cheeseburger, or whatever. Uh, the word good there doesn't mean exactly the same thing as when applied either to each other or even to God. Okay. Uh, so whenever you say that uh, God does not have this moral standard that of which he has to abide by, or however you want to word that, right. uh, how, do, how does this avoid the... Uh, how does this avoid God being arbitrary? As in, he, if he has no moral standard, then kind of whatever he does, wouldn't that just kind of turn out to be good? Yeah. Okay, so what you're referring to is, is historically known as the Euthyphro Dilemma. Um, and this came out—I didn't even say what the debate was about with Michael Shermer. So it was debate—well, I did it. I just did the, the topic. Um, the, the issue comes out of these kind of discussions on, on ethics and, and God. But, well, if God just has no— standard that he has to conform to whatever he does is arbitrary mm -hmm. well he is i would say he's completely free and if you want to call that arbitrary then i have no problem saying that but um we make a distinction in Thomistic philosophy between absolute necessity and suppositional necessity so for example god did not have to create the universe but supposing he did he can't go back and undo it right so supposing he created humans uh, then we now necessarily are not out of some kind of strict absolute necessity, but just supposing God did will X, then X just is the way it is. Mm -hmm. So God has willed humans in, in a Thomistic Aristotelian view anyway to have a an objective um, essence or human nature, and certain things are good for that nature and certain things are bad. So. God creates us with a final end. Ultimately, he's our final end or goal, our, our, what we're striving toward. 
And so there are objective things that get us along our further end, whether it's just preserving in life, enjoying life itself, being happy, or seeking after God as our highest good. So God having made a fixed universal objective objective um, essence that we all share, uh, he also has willed certain things to be good and bad for it. So he can't just, at this point, having willed humans, will that murder or rape are good, because that, mm-hmm. that, that destroys human nature, right? Mm-hmm. So assuming and, and supposing that he has will to create what he has to created, he has made an objective standard, as, as if you want to call it that, but he, he's, not, he's not using a standard outside himself. He's, he willed to make human nature and essence itself an objective um, essence that we all share, and in doing that, also made certain things to be good for us. And if we don't have those things, that would be evil. Mm-hmm. And so what is good for a human isn't arbitrary because of the way he's made our, our nature. Is that, is that making sense? It, it makes sense to me because okay. I'm familiar with the terms and stuff. Uh, <laughs> hopefully we're not losing yeah. the audience that may or may yeah. not be familiar with the Thomistic philosophy. So let me yeah. kind of say it in uh, a, perhaps a different way. And let's see... I, and also put it uh, in the form of another question. So okay. it seems that on the divine command theory uh, view, morality is grounded because in this conversation and whenever I listen to uh, skeptics and Christian apologists talk about the moral argument, you often hear this grounding of morality. It seems right. that on the divine command theory that morality is grounded or, or finds its source in the commands of God. And then it sounds like what you're saying, that on the Thomistic or Aristotelian view of morality, that morality is grounded or finds its source in human nature. Right. Now, of course, God will be the cause of that, so I'm not, I'm not cutting him off of, in that link. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that whatever makes an action morally good or not is whether or not it promotes the flourishing of, of human beings, mm-hmm. um, both just in our normal day-to-day life, you know, food, water, shelter— um, and then ultimately in our spiritual course of life, too, with God being our ultimate end. And so God, um, having created us the way he did, uh, this this nature uh, that we all share, I mean, we all need food, water, shelter, all that kind of stuff. And so what, whatever promotes those goods would be would be good. And there's a moral sense, and there's other, other instances of being good and evil, too. So there are, there are objective needs, and if those are being met, then we can call, call that objectively good. And it sounds like, I mean, you mentioned you know, food, water, these sort of things, that uh, what is necessary for human flourishing uh, can be um, discovered through observation. And so it right. actually kind of seems like, uh, does our friend Michael Shermer not have a point in using natural sciences to allude to um, morality? Yeah, and he does, and we agree on this point somewhat because we both. I know the the flourishing of sentient creatures sounds very um, atheistic in a sense, and but there's some overlap there because it is it is just the case that we, on some level, to, to to have a good life means that you you're flourishing and you're happy and your needs are being met. And he wants to promote. Um, he wants to say that that being moral is providing, simply providing for those needs. Um, and that's only one level of what I'm referring to as morality. And he would he would admit, and he he, divine, he defines evil as uh, the intentional harm of a sentient creature. And I wouldn't disagree with that. I just think there's there's a broader, deeper understanding of that to that as well. 
so we, we both think that science can, can provide uh, shelter, food, medicine, that kind of thing. But we're going to differ in terms of, well, where did this human nature come from? He's going to say it came from evolution. He's, I'm going to say it came from, that we are created by God uh, supernaturally. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are some things that Michael and I, that other atheists and I might not agree on, that Michael and I happen to agree on. We're just going to disagree as to what that entails or how it got there or some of the nuance it, of it. It sounds like, and, and of course you can correct me, but just listening, it sounds like an atheist is not tethered to a subjective or relative morality, that they can actually have objective morality uh, if they're willing to subscribe to this sort of uh, Aristotelian uh, view of morality. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that, that anybody, anybody regardless of their beliefs of God can be a quote-unquote uh, in the everyday sense of the term, not in a theological sense, but be a good person, you know, helping your neighbor, being there for people, doing the right thing, usually speaking. Um, you, you can be, you can have a, a decently good life from just a normal everyday, again, not theological uh, point of view. Um, you don't have to know that God exists, but our point, and it's kind of similar to the, our presuppositional debates with, uh, with them on, yeah, God has to exist with the ontological source, we just don't have to know about him in order to, to carry out this moral code because he's given it to us to be able to reason from and know intuitively. I mean, yeah. You were breaking up there, sorry. But yeah, that makes sense from sort of like an epistemological standpoint uh, that you can know objective morality uh, without uh, believing in God. But can they actually have an objective morality as in... Uh, in, in an ontological sense, if they're grounding morality in human nature, just as we are, they're just not going one step further, which, which it, it seems that you, you would say human nature itself stands in need of a, a, a cause like God to even exist. And then, like you said, Michael Shermer would uh, deviate and go towards an, an evolutionary uh, cause for that, but he would still actually have an ontological, ontological objective morality. Is that correct? I, th- I think so. So what, what I'm saying is uh, someone like Michael and I would say that there is what it means to be human. We're probably going to agree, agree with that, at least to an extent, on just a normal natural natural science kind of definition, not maybe not a philosophical definition. And then on the normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill, what it means to be good or moral, uh, Michael knows what that is. And, and I think everyone just using common sense and their, their internal conscience, people who aren't um, you know, people who aren't, you know, psychotic or those kind of things or some kind of mental problem have a basic understanding of what good and, and bad are, even if they don't practice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, sure. As C.S. Lewis says, we all know what good is and we all know we're not doing it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I want to move from uh, kind of the existence of objective morality to our uh, moral duty or moral oughtness. But first, I want to uh, give a patron shout out and say thank you to Hank. Thanks so much. Uh, for your support. Hank's actually a, a good friend of mine. But uh, thank you to all of our patrons. And if you're listening, uh, I know what you're thinking. You've always wanted me to shout your name out on the podcast. It's just what you've always dreamed of. But uh, today can be the day for you. You can head on over to our Patreon page by following the link in the description and become a supporter of uh, Help Me Believe. Uh, again, thanks so much. And uh, when you become a supporter, you can watch the 
bonus segment. And today's bonus segment will be uh, with Dr. Huffling, my guest, who is a uh, the professor of uh, philosophy at uh, Southern Evangelical Seminary. And we've been dis- discussing the moral argument for the existence of God and kind of uh, a bit of a critique from a Thomistic uh, philosophical standpoint on this uh, argument. And uh, so we're going to move into this moral duty and kind of why we should uh, be moral. Uh, Dr. Huffling, it's one thing to argue that moral uh, duties exist. It seems like another thing to argue um, uh, that we ought be moral. Is that correct? Or I'm trying to think of how to word this. Are you you tracking Uh, with me, though? Say it again so I can be a little more clear. I think I'm not sure if I caught your distinction there. Okay, so the difference between the existence of objective morality and then kind of, uh, is there a way, and then kind of a motivation for acting uh, moral, is there any uh, objective answer to? So I can say, yeah, I mean, you can take it from either camp that we've been discussing here, from divine command theorists who say objective morality is grounded in the commands of God, but the question would still remain, uh, why should I listen to God? And then on... The Thomistic standpoint that objective morality is grounded in human nature or something like that mm-hmm. and uh, human flourishing, but the question would still remain, why should I care about human flourishing? Okay, so there's two different levels here. One is just the everyday normal human level, and why, why should I care? Well, I think people just have an innate sense of, of what it means to be to be good and then bad, and, and they have they have this intuitive notion of, well, I know that if I see some, somebody needs help, I should help them. If I don't, then... There's something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So why should I care about that? Well, I think people who who want to, unless again, unless there's something just wrong with the person mentally, most people just have some understanding of what I'm doing here is wrong. So why why should I care? Well, we we care. We we should care uh, to promote other people flourishing, society flourishing, and also understand that I want people to treat me the way that I, that I want to treat pe- people the way they that I get treated as well. Where I want people to treat me the way I treat other people, mm-hmm. and then there's a the the real punishments. There's, there's of course there's punishments and rewards here with with you know like law enforcement. And you might go to jail for not doing what you should do in some cases, or, or you know anything that would be illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are there's real punishments here, and then there's spiritual punishments. Of course, we would call that heaven and hell, and even within heaven and hell, there's also punishments and rewards mm-hmm. as well. So. Uh, at some point, we can we can just show people why they should be good. If somebody really doesn't know why they should be good, um, I, I would have a hard time even believing somebody who said they didn't know why they should be good. Yeah. But I can give very practical answers like, well, you should be good because you want people to be good to you, or you don't want to go to jail or get a ticket, um, and you want to to live with God and not in eternal hell forever. Mm-hmm. So we can discuss that. But you can't motivate people after some point. You can reason with, with people who are reasonable, but if they're not reasonable, you can't. So there's only a certain yeah. point at which you can take that to. This is, you know, I'm just contrarian by nature. Obviously, I agree right. with everything you just said. I obviously believe that we ought to be good to one another for all the reasons you just um, gave. And then, but this contrarian nature that I just have and am predisposed to <laughs> is like, okay, but what if somebody said this to you, Hayden? What if they said, well, why should I care about that? And I'll be like, well, how could you not care about that? Well, that's not, that's not really a satisfactory answer. It kind of yeah. seems like at some point it just breaks down almost. Yeah. Um, unless there was a way to say, 
you know, you can't avoid trying to be good. You're just going to. And that's the route I keep trying to go. I'm just trying to think this through. Um, do you have those problems as well, or am I just the only weird person? No, I, I, some people <laughs> want to push it that way, and some people are just doing it just to be contrarian um, or contrary. But, yeah, I think that we can just give practical reasons up to an extent. You know, you don't want people to think you're a jerk all the time. You don't want, you don't want, you want friends. <laughs> you, you don't want to get a ticket or go to jail or whatever, and you don't want to be um, – on the wrong side of, of God's grace eternally. Yeah. And if those don't motivate somebody, I don't know what would. Yeah. Yeah. And that's as far as you can go. Yeah. That makes sense. But, uh, so we, we, again, we've been discussing the, the moral argument for the existence of God as it's uh, traditionally stated uh, by, by folks like William Lane Craig. And so you're not really saying that this argument, or, or perhaps you are, but you're not really saying that the argument doesn't succeed. Is that correct? I, I'm not. I'm not saying it doesn't succeed. I'm just saying that the way it's used sometimes yeah. uh, can presuppose certain things that I personally would not hold to, and that um, they it, it could just lead to an area that I think would just be wrong theologically. So, for example, if the if the moral argument has to presuppose that God is moral and he's our moral standard, which is how a lot of these arguments go, or if they don't say it, it presupposes it, basically. Mm-hmm. Or if they say that we're good because we somehow reflect God or we're kind of tethered to God's goodness, that's where I think we have a problem. And I would say the arguments, as far as they go, are good as long as they're made in a more metaphysical sense of, of God being the cause of our of our human nature, and our human nature being what is is really... Um, the, the grounding of goodness, not that it comes from us, but that God causes it in us within our nature, as Romans 2 says, kind of written on the heart as our conscience. So I, they're not, the arguments themselves aren't necessarily bad, but they oftentimes presuppose what I think are, are wrong pictures of God over anthropomorphic pictures of God, like God being too much like us. Um, or they, they go down that, that direction, either presuppose or kind of go in that direction. But as far as they far as I just laid them out to you mm-hmm. a little earlier, I don't think that they're wrong in that regard. Mm-hmm. I just think that they are oftentimes used in the wrong way, perhaps. Yeah. So earlier we were discussing the euthyphro dilemma and kind of, you know, if is something good because God commands it or um, does God command it because it is good? And, and we want to avoid kind of reaching either of those two conclusions. And one way that people have done this is to say, uh, to back up and say, no, God just is right. Right. the standard of morality. And so uh, you you see something uh, wrong with this as well, correct? Yeah, because I don't think that I don't think that we have any reason to think that God is moral in the sense that we are. So mm-hmm. we're moral because we measure up to some standard. So I'm good if I do things that that kind of, in a sense, to use a, a philosophical term, accidentally make me good or, or make me good dependent on me doing those things. And I don't think we can say God is, is good dependent on what he does. And I don't think that we can say um, that it makes a lot of sense to say that a non-human, unlimited, infinite, spaceless, timeless, changeless being is the one-to-one standard of everything opposite of that, mm-hmm. like finite material, temporal, changeable things. But I do think he's the cause of our goodness, and it, it is true to say that our morality is based in God as our cause, the cause of that human essence. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying God isn't the cause of a morality. I'm just saying that God isn't 
moral himself. So, so like he, he caused us to be material, but he's not material. Mm-hmm. He caused us to be, have characteristics X, Y, and Z, but he doesn't have those characteristics. So I just don't think that it makes sense to say that, that God is moral, at least in the sense that we are. Right. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Just like, as you said, the way that God created us to be physical and material, it doesn't follow that God is physical and material. And in right. the same way, uh, concerning morality, I think that's that's a clarifying way to put it. Uh, I got one last question for you uh, before we go to the bonus segment again. If you want to watch the bonus segment, five more minutes with uh, Doctor Huffling, uh, be sure to follow the link in the description to our Patreon page and become a supporter. But that question is, if you were going to give an argument for the existence of God, starting with uh, uh, moral premises or premises having to do with morality, how would you state that argument? I wouldn't necessarily um, – well, yeah, I would probably. I, I'd probably try to, try to give the uh, argument that there is an objective law. I, I wouldn't necessarily – word the, the argument differently than I gave from Geyser point of view, like all, all laws have a lawgiver. There is a moral law, therefore there, there's a lawgiver. But I would focus on the fact that we have an objective uh, essence or nature as human beings that make us what we are. And part of being a human being is, is just this moral makeup, right? This moral code or conscience. And so I would just say that, that God is our cause, uh, of, of our nature, and he made our, our nature to be this way. Now, if I put it into different premises, um, I don't know. I haven't put it in different premises. I probably should do that, but I, I wouldn't necessarily. <laughs> no, that's okay. I wouldn't necessarily differ from the guys Larian or or, or Lewisinian, if I can think of a term, uh, phraseology of that argument, or even or even Bill Craig's argument. I just would would tether more in in human nature. And not in God's nature as Him being moral in a sense. Am I, am I getting at your question at yeah, all? Yeah, I think you uh, in in the article you said you would you know you could start from a the object the existence of an objective moral law and then show that to be tied into uh, human nature. But then you right. would more or less have to give a cosmological argument. Yeah, um, I do think that to make the moral argument work, at least it's stronger to base it on human nature, and then our 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 cause cause. In God, we're the effect of God's causality, so that would be more of a cosmological kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. if someone has a very metaphysical kind of underpinning to it, mm-hmm. does Aquinas make this argument? I'm not aware of anywhere he makes the moral argument for mm-hmm. God. He gives, you know, he gives the same as five ways, mm-hmm. and then in other places, there's actually some disputed ways that he might give mm-hmm. whether or not he's actually giving an argument for God or not. Yeah. Like uh, everything is composed of of existence in an essence. But that can't go back forever, so there's got to be an existence that is, its essence just is to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those kind of arguments. I'm not familiar with Aquinas giving any kind of a moral argument, per yeah. se. Well, we'll have you back on sometime to talk about the five ways, or one of the okay. five ways. We'll pick one out. That seems like it would be a lot of fun to do. Uh, those are. are those are my favorite arguments for the existence of God. Me too. <laughs> uh, and I think they still succeed. I'm, I'm not convinced of you know people who have tried to show them to be false. But uh, anyway, Dr. Huffling, greatly appreciate you coming on to discuss uh this this subject i think it's important i think it's uh, something worth noting the moral argument is a popular one given and there's kind of some misunderstandings around it so i appreciate you hopefully dr huffling provided you uh with some clarity on the issue i know we got pretty philosophical pretty quick but uh, i think you'll find it uh clarifying and uh, enlightening so uh, again thanks so much uh, for taking the time out of your day to come on i really appreciate it well thanks for having me appreciate it thanks hayden 
Thanks so much for uh, joining us, guys. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, leave us a review on the podcast if you're listening. And, of course, if you want to watch the five-more-minute bonus segment with Dr. J. uh, J. Brian Huffling, be sure to follow the Patreon link in the description and become a supporter of our ministry, and you get all sorts of exclusive stuff over there on our Patreon page. So thanks so much for joining us, guys, and we'll see you next time.